Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we build products in public. Each week, we'll give you an honest peek into our lives as we share our struggles, our wins, and everything in between. I'm Benedicta, and I'm feeling thankful. And I'm Benedict. Today is February 22nd. This is episode number 128, and I'm feeling sleepy. Uh, but today is once again a special episode because we have a guest with us. Uh, it's Marie of uh, Lama Life, and uh, she's always been a great inspiration for both of us by sharing a lot of good insights on Twitter about the uh, daily struggles of building a software startup. So welcome, Marie. Thank you for having me. Is this where I have to are say you... my feeling as well? Or? Yeah, go yeah, ahead. I was about to ask, how are you feeling? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling excited to do the podcast. It's um it's toward the end of my day, but uh, I'm super excited. Normally, normally at the end of my day, I'd be a little more tired, but today I'm excited. Ooh, and I am also, even though I said thankful, which is like my feeling for the week, I am also feeling sleepy because we are in early time here in um, Europe. But anything else make getting you excited this week in the Lama Life land? Um. Just hoping to build quite a few features this week. So I've been doing a lot of marketing lately, which, as you know, when you build a SaaS, you kind of have to balance doing the marketing side and also the the product dev side. But um, been doing a lot of marketing lately, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting more, you know, back into adding some features and and not just kind of bug fixes or incremental things, but something really new, you know, that always is exciting. Because you are a solo founder, right? I was a solo founder. So I um, recently just made my first hire and um, she's amazing. Um, we used to work together. So we've known each other for several years. And um, yeah, she started about a month ago now. So she's kind of slowly come on board and um, she's going to be helping me do a bit more on the content side and build a bit more, you know, community and also look into potential partnerships. But um, before that, yes, I was a, a solo founder before that, doing all the different roles, all the good stuff that we know about. All of, all of it, basically. <laughs> all the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Before we get uh, too deep into, into the details, uh, can you maybe tell a little bit about Llama Life uh, mm. for our listeners who don't know about it? Yeah, for sure. So Llama Life is a web-based productivity app, and it's all about helping you work through a to-do list, not just make a to-do list. And it does this by increasing your focus and your attention and making it really fun and rewarding to complete tasks. For example, when you complete a task, you get like confetti, like an animation of confetti. And I love it's really it. just... Yeah, it's it's just focused on helping you feel good about getting through stuff. And That's so I've because yeah, I've used it with Todoist. So instead of creating the to do to dos in Llama Life, I kind of import my to dos mm. today's to dos from um, Todoist, and then I can sort them and then start kind of working through them. And you also yeah. have that like kind of time boxing feature. I can like give mm. a time to yep. each to do and i really yeah, like that... that at the bottom it says like when am i done like if i stay on task if i stay on my times it actually says the the time of day i will be done with my task which i found very motivating yeah so that's exactly right so for every single task you can assign uh, a timer to it so this is a countdown timer and you know you, you can choose whatever time you want because everybody's a little bit different in the way they work it could be 10 minutes Uh, or it could be, you know, 45 minutes. But, you know, I personally like to start with really small little time blocks and build my way up. And, yeah, you're right. So at the end it'll say, you know, you've got this list of 20 tasks and if you add all of those up it'll take you, you know, four and a half hours and it'll also estimate when you're going to finish. So it might say, well, if you complete everything on time, then you'll probably finish your day around 4.30 p.m., And you can kind of keep checking that because it updates in real time. And it's it's really good to kind of just keep you on track. And I think the way that you mentioned that you use it with Todoist is, is really, really popular as well. So Llama Life's 
it's really focused, um, no pun intended, on being a focus app. And a lot of people put their to-do list somewhere else. So in Todoist or Notion, I personally use Notion to put everything. And then people transfer tasks from their main to-do list into Llama Life. And that's why, you know, one of the things I'm working on at the moment is just integration to make it as as seamless and as frictionless as possible. You know, you can import a Todoist task into Llama Life in just two clicks. And I'll be adding other um, to-do apps as well. So things like Asana and maybe later like Jira as well. Like when you start to go more into like the enterprise space, that's important. Get some issues. That, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be later. That'll be later. (laughs) One thing at a time, you know. (laughs) One thing at a time. Yeah. yeah. So where did you get the idea for Llama Life? Or how did you come up with it? Yeah. So it was really two things. So, you know, one was that, you know, I I got diagnosed with ADHD about 10, 11 years ago now. And ever since then, I've been really, um, you know, positively obsessed with trying to solve for focus and attention. And I've pretty much tried like every productivity tool out there, but I, I really just wanted something where I could quickly set timers, like super fast and also something that felt a bit more fun because there's, there's a lot of productivity apps out there. It's quite a crowded space, but they you know, in, from my perspective, they all look kind of similar and they might be very functional, but they don't feel that fun to me. So I wanted to focus more on that fun and rewarding aspect. Um, so that's kind of the first reason. The second reason is, you know, it just sort of came naturally in the sense that um, I was learning to teach myself how to code about, I started about two years ago and I, I couldn't, I couldn't even write like HTML two years ago. And um I basically watched a ton of YouTube videos and I did like this really short course on Udemy as well on JavaScript. And, you know, one of the first things you build when you learn how to code is a to-do app, right? Everybody feels like a to-do list. It's a really good exercise. It's a really good way to practice, you know, how to create a task, store a task, retrieve a task and all that stuff. So I I created a really basic to-do list um, application it didn't have timers or anything, but I kind of had the, the bare bones there. And then I just kind of evolved it over time. Uh, actually, if you look back on Twitter, there is a post which says something like, you know, I'm teaching myself to code. Like, here's the first thing I built. And it's it's actually out there. If you go back through the history on, on Twitter, you'll you'll find the first version of Llama Life. It's pretty bare bones, but it's it's there. It's out there. And it just it just evolved. I think the first time I tweeted that, somebody immediately commented and they said I want this so I was like okay well maybe I should just build it out a little bit more and over time you know I started practicing different things so I had the bare bones to-do list app and then I added you know authentication for users and then I added the database and then I added payments and it kind of just all of it was like trying to teach myself stuff but at the same time it was solving a real problem for me which was the focus problem and other people were reacting quite positively to it on Twitter and it started to get a little bit of a following. So I thought, well, let, let's just build it out because I'm really enjoying it and people seem to want it and people like the Llama brand. And it just, it really just evolved over time quite, quite naturally. And I'm working on it full time now. And yeah, I just hired, hired my friend and we're having a good time making it. It's, it's been fun. Indie hacker dream comes through right there. Come true. Yeah. <laughs> Come through. Yeah, true. yeah. It, you know, it's funny because like you, you do as an indie hacker, like you do work like pretty crazy hours and it's it's not it's not really easy, but I try and remind myself that as well. Like, you know, this is actually my dream job because I'm working on something that I created myself. I'm working with my friend. Um, I get to do like all the design and I get to do the dev. And you know, it makes it a lot easier when you do design and dev. So I do, I do both. And I think it's just a lot faster. If you have an idea in your head, you can start sketching it out and then you might use like a design tool to, to do like a few wireframes and stuff. But I never fully finish my wireframes. I'm always just like, okay, I think I know what I want and I'm just going to code it now. And then I, I start designing in the browser itself and it just kind of, yeah, it's always just really fluid. It's never like, here's a design. Uh, it's fully finished and pass it to a dev and say, code this up. It's never like that. It's just like, let's just, 
just just sort of half do it and then put it in there and see what it feels like when you interact with it. And it's just, yeah, it's just so much more seamless when you do both. Absolutely. So did, I I had a question. This is like too early. Benedict, do do you have a question? (laughs) My mind is. I was about to ask um, uh, about the the Llama branding. Um, Mm. How did that come about? Because I feel like that's, as you said, like one quite unique thing about your your application and like the way you present it that it's a lot of like a lot of to do apps come off like super like super serious and uh professional and businessy and it feels like you're going the opposite direction with like having a lot of fun with the branding and yeah. recently saw a photo of you in the bathtub with like a hundred llamas or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah that was pretty so yeah that was the photo in the bathtubs that's on Twitter as well. That was because you know, I said the last few weeks I've been doing a lot more marketing. So part of the marketing is putting together a lot of swag. And um, I, I kind of prefer to do my own swag. Like, you know, it can, I think it can be more personal and more more meaningful if you pick the specific items you want to put together in a swag pack and you can write a personal note and all of that. And um, I, yeah, I just ended up buying like 50 llamas. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, I don't know. I was just m- messing around with my friend one day, and we're like, "Let's just take a picture in the bathtub. That could look really funny." And yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a good one. Um, but back to the back to the branding. So it, it there is a story behind the llama. So um, when it's probably like a couple of years ago now. This is before COVID started. I think it was twenty eighteen. I went on a a vacation with a friend it was kind of like a big you know we hadn't been on on a vacation for a while so it was kind of like a big deal and it was one of those soul searching trips so we went to peru we did machu picchu um we also went to like galapagos islands because that's kind of nearby and uh when we were in peru we went to this little village it was maybe an hour outside of peru and um this village had about 20 people in it and they had no modern conveniences. They had no running water. They had no internet. But they invited us to come in and have lunch with them. And even though they had no modern conveniences, they had all they had a lot of llamas. Like they had llamas everywhere. And the llamas were their livelihood. So they would take they would basically take the wool off their back and they would make, you know, like beanies and sweaters and little bracelet things to sell to the people visiting. And one of the things that struck me was like these people, they didn't have much, but they were just like super happy, very, very content. And they just didn't need much. And I, I really, really like that about, you know, their life and just their mindset. And so when I was trying to figure out how to name the product, that was one of the things that I wanted, right? I wanted to create something that was um, very calm, very like happy and fun and just content and you'll see the llama on the website, right? It's just sitting there meditating. It looks kind of, <laughs> just looks calm. And it, it actually came super quick. I was like, yeah, I'll just call it llama. Like that just makes makes sense. It wasn't something I thought like a heap about. It, it just, it came super quick. And it originally was called llama, just llama full stop. And what happened was o- over time, customers started calling it llama life. So I had a a customer that made like artwork and he put a slogan underneath his art and it said, uh, live the llama life. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, like maybe I should call it llama life because people are actually referring to the llama life. And yeah, it just became llama life. (laughs) And I think it's such, I think it's a much better name because it conveys, it conveys like a lifestyle that, you know, I'm hoping people can aspire to and feel, you know, this calm kind of productive life after having used the product. So I think from a branding perspective, it just gives, there's a lot more opportunity to do something with Llama Life than just Llama. And also Llamas, they are, I mean, they're so much fun. Like they're jumping, like that video you put out, like how they jump and they're like, but I've also met Llamas at like a petting zoo uh, in Sweden where they're just chill like they just stand around like eating and they are Mm. super chill and then they have these like bouts of craziness and I feel like that is works really well with you know your 
what your product is trying to solve or is solving and also kind of that fun part of it like they they have both um, yeah they're a so little bit really, quirky yeah they're, they're, they're quirky is the right the right word <laughs> yeah they're kind of quirky and, and apparently they spit apparently they can see if you if you google if you go on youtube and just look up you know llama spit there's so many there's quite a few funny videos of people who you know approach the llama because it's kind of calm and quirky most of the time but occasionally it'll just, it'll just spit in your face <laughs> well, get out of my way boundaries yeah. Yeah, yeah but you know i kind of like that in the sense that it fits with one of the, one of the things i try to do with the product is um, I, it, it's not quite there yet, but I'm trying to inject more randomness into it. So just like, you know, you've got a car mama that suddenly spits at you. Um, I think randomness is really good when you're trying to reward someone. So right now, when you complete a task, you get confetti. There's like a confetti animation, but I'm actually planning to build up a bank of animations. So maybe like 10 different animations. So you won't know what you're going to get. It, when you complete something, you click that complete button, and it'll randomly pick an animation for you. And I just think that that kind of variety is is good. Like it kind of excites people in the sense that, you know, you kind of just want to, you want to see, you want to see what it's going to be. And, you know, ticking off tasks in a, in a to-do list in itself is already kind of a boring activity. So whatever I can do to make it a little bit more fun and random in variety, I'm going to try and inject that into the product. And I think there's some science behind that too. If you don't know if you're going to be rewarded, you want to do more of something. Mm. Like they have some, if you know that there's always going to be a new email, then you don't check your email that often or something like, but if you, if it's random, how many new emails are in that inbox, that's why we like keep checking our like apps for like new oh. stuff because it's random how much new stuff we'll get. And often oh. there's nothing. And we just keep on being like, give me that <laughs> you know, mm. random um there are some re or I, I don't remember exactly but there are some like proper research on this yeah you know the other one that comes to mind is the slot machine so when you go to a casino like this is a negative example obviously with mm -hmm. llama life i want to create a positive example in that the the behavior that you're doing is something that will help you but if you look at the flip side and you go to a casino you know when you see people sitting at the slot machine and they're just they're constantly just sitting there and they're pulling the handle and, you know, part of that is because they don't know if they're going to win on the next turn. I mean, it's, it's unlikely, but they still do it because there's a small chance that they could win on the next pull. So it's a similar psychology, but obviously, you know, I want to use it in a positive, a positive way. And that is great because we can take a lot of these kind of dark patterns and use the same things for good instead mm. of using it for... The dark patterns. I guess they they stop being dark patterns when we use them for good. Yeah, light patterns or good patterns. I don't know <laughs> what do you call it. Yeah, daylight patterns. No, it's, um, <laughs> so you said you taught yourself how to code, and that started about two years ago. Mm -hmm. What was your background before then? Did you work on any businesses, or did you do anything that you feel has helped you in this in this yeah. endeavor? Yeah, so I um, I have worked on a few other startups before, and with those startups, I was not the developer. I was kind of the product and design and business person. So I'm I'm not new to the startup kind of space in terms of trying to build things and iterate and put out like MVPs and stuff like that. Um, I've done like I've done a lot, like maybe four four proper ones before this, but. I kind of lost count on, you know, the other ones where I've just bought a domain and just like tried to do a landing page or, <laughs> or maybe not even done a landing page, you know, just bought a domain because I got excited and then I never used it. <laughs> but, um, so I've done that. And then I also, I actually spent about 10 years in branding. So I had a corporate career before and um, I learned a lot from that. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people can be kind of negative when you're, you're working for someone else, but I, I do think it's helped me, you know, in terms of the way I think about the business and the brand and the marketing side, it definitely, it definitely has helped me. I can look back on that experience and say, well, you know, I learned a lot, even just how to deal with people or managing teams and stuff like that. There's a lot more structure when you work for someone else or a large corporation. And sometimes that's good. Um, but, you know, my preference now is definitely to work for myself and build my own stuff. But um, 
yeah, I think there's good, good, good stuff from both both experiences. Previously, you said like uh, you sometimes have to remind yourself that this is your dream job. Like, how often does that happen? Like, how often are you aware that this is actually the thing you want to do and not like be, I don't know, pulled down by the troubles of everyday software business life? Yeah, I, I mean, I try and remind myself every day. I actually have a reminder on my phone. Um, and I also try and go for a walk in the morning. And usually the walk in the morning, I might be playing like some music or something. And, you know, it's kind of like my quiet time. And I I just try and reflect then, you know, and try to be grateful about stuff. It, it is it's definitely challenging because, I mean, you know how it is with software. It, it's kind of 24-7 especially because things are a lot more global now. It's a customers for Llama Life are everywhere, but they are mostly in the US and I'm based in Australia. So often it'll be very late at night for me and I get customer support requests coming in and I, I try and get to them as soon as possible. Sometimes it's, it's not like, I don't want to burn myself out and be answering stuff at one in the morning, but I, I try. So like on Friday that just went by, I got a customer support request at maybe I think it was like 11 o'clock at night and we ended up troubleshooting live and, we, you know, I kind of figured out what was going on, but it can be, it can be quite draining from that perspective. Like you do have to draw a line for yourself, you know, how much you want to push yourself because, you know, obviously that you can't do that sustainably, right? You can't do that every single day. Um, that particular one, I just chose to, to try and act on it because, you know, I was also really curious, like what the bug was. Because I hadn't come across it before, <laughs> it's just that challenge. Problem, eh? <laughs> that challenge, right? Like when something's really hard, and you're like, "Oh, I haven't seen that. I, I really want to figure out what that is." Uh, I tend to kind of go for it then, and that's partly because yeah. it's it's exciting as well, you know. But um, yes, I try and remind myself every day because, yeah, I don't know. It's just um, it's got everything that I want. It's I'm working on a problem that I'm passionate about. I get to do some coding, which I absolutely love, and I get to do the design work, and I get to work with my friend now, and yeah, it's just um, and it's software. It's like a really good business model, as well. Absolutely, the SaaS, the SaaS dream, <laughs> reoccurring revenue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you said most of your customers are in um, in the states. Is there any, do you see any similarities between them? Is there like a certain sociographic demographic type person who's using Llama Life? Yeah. So it, because it, because it kind of came about naturally by building in public on Twitter, a lot of the customers are indie hackers because they're the ones that have been following my journey um, or people with small businesses. So it's definitely not kind of enterprise level yet. That is something I'm thinking about, though, but right now it's more indie hackers, small teams. Um, interestingly, and maybe not a surprise, there are a lot of people with ADHD who are using the product. It seems to really resonate with that group. And, I mean, I, I, it's not surprising to me because obviously I've got ADHD as well and I kind of designed it for myself originally. So I think, you know, everybody's a little bit different, but it's it's got some, I guess it's got some helpful features in that regard. And, you know, I don't ask people specifically if they have ADHD. I just know this because I get a lot of customer emails. And this is kind of one of the reasons why I, I thought Llama Life had something special because in my previous startups, I never got these kind of emails. Like people will email me and say, hey, I've got ADHD. And like, this is, I've been looking for this product for my you know whole life. And they get really emotional about it. So It's all anecdotal, but I, I do get a lot of people uh, who are um, kind of neurodiverse who are using the product. That's not to say um, if you're neurotypical, it won't work for you. I actually have a personal kind of theory about it, which is I think if I can design for neurodiversity, um, and obviously that's a very big, um, that covers a lot of different things, but if I can design with some of that in mind, I I suspect that a lot of neurotypicals will still get massive benefit from it just because most of the products out there are not designed uh, for neurodiversity. So that's kind of my personal theory. We'll see how that plays out. But um, 
it's really just for anyone who wants to improve their focus and be more efficient with their time. And have fun while at And it. have fun while they're doing it, which, which <laughs> is I, actually, yeah. yeah. yeah I was, I was just going to say, say that you're probably right about the, the, the kind of, if you design for neurodiversity, that you also get a better experience for, for those who are more neurotypical because I've, I've read many years ago that they did uh, research in classrooms where they made them better for, um, I think it was autistic kids with like structure and um, very clear communication. And there were like different things they put into place to make it so that they could have these kids in the classroom with the other kids. And it turned out that everybody benefited, which is not mm. a surprise to me that clear communication and more structure and all those things, but <laughs> were helpful for the people who didn't necessarily have to have it like that, but they also had it better when that was put into place. Um, mm. And we see that also with more um, with more regular usability. If you make, you know, if you make an app so that people with physical disabilities can use it, then people without physical disabilities in situations where they get physical disabilities, kind of, it will also benefit them. And I think the uh, I think the UK government has a very good like diagram over different on the physical side. Like you can be one handed because you're holding a kid. Like it doesn't have to be because you have one yeah. hand. Um, and like you can have a hard time hitting a button because you're on a shaky bus. Like it doesn't have to be that you're a shaky hand. So like, why not just like focus on these things and it will be better for um, a larger majority as well i, I love that example Th those examples are brilliant the um you know using using something one hand because you've you've literally got one one arm and one hand or there's just that your other hand's occupied with something and same with the shaky bus example that's great like i love that i love that so that is that is cool but you were saying something about fun if you want to go back to the fun part <laughs> fun, what was I, thinking? <laughs> I, I lost my thought my train of thought oh yeah i was gonna say um yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was going to say, you, you know, back to the fun thing and, and sort of the feeling behind it. Um, so so the, the reason I was bringing that up is because, you know, I think two people can have exactly the same to-do list, right? You can have exactly the same tasks that you're doing and two, both people could get through the list at the end of the day, but that doesn't mean they feel the same way, right? So one person could feel like really stressed and hectic and, you know, just, just tired from completing their list the other person who did exactly the same thing could end up feeling really calm and accomplished and just kind of relaxed. And one of the things I'm trying to achieve with the design is to make you feel relaxed when you use the product. So we'll see how it goes, but the feedback I've had so far is pretty good. Like people say it's kind of fun because you can choose emoji for every task and that in itself just makes it, uh, there's two things with that. It, it makes it fun, but it also encourages you to put a little bit more effort in when you create the task and when you put a little bit more effort in then you feel a little bit more accountable for the task there's like some there's some psychology behind it i don't know what it's called but you know when you put effort more effort into something like creating something you kind of feel more responsible for it like uh, ikea shelves and <laughs> setting them up yourself <laughs> what's that sorry say that again uh, like with IKEA furniture, um, I, I think that's the same the same story behind it that you feel mm -hmm. more invested into into your IKEA furniture because you had to put it up yourself. Yeah, and gotcha. that's how you have yep. like a a better relationship with that furniture. <laughs> Although you could, kind of I, I could stupid, argue but... though, um, with uh, IKEA furniture, you can also end up feeling very frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very rubbish at building IKEA furniture because I don't like to look at the instructions. I kind of just get it. And I just, I don't know if this is a dev thing or not, but I just kind of want to play with it and just try to build it. Uh, and, and then I end up doing it wrong because I have to go back and look at the instructions. And it's very um, frustrating. I don't know. I've built IKEA furniture much longer than I've been a developer. So I am very much into reading the instructions. But I came to my summer house one summer and my dad had like given up on some wardrobes that he was supposed to set up. And I was like, like, what and we tried to like take it down to like rebuild it and we couldn't take it down and it turned out he got so frustrated he started like gluing stuff together 
<laughs> because it didn't want to stick because he was yeah. sure it was right so we had to like hammer out the glue and like rip it apart and put it back so he is not allowed to put together ikea furniture anymore in our it, it's a good house. lesson it's a good lesson like always read the documentation because you know i've been doing more work now with third party like um like with apis and stuff like connect especially with the integration you know trying to figure out something like todoist and their api and it's like always read the docs because sometimes it's tempting just to you know go into it try and make like a you know just try and make a a call to the api and see what you get back but then i find that you know if you read through stuff you you know pretty much everything's outlined and the the troubleshooting that you're having is is kind of clearly spells out and you can save yourself a lot of time that's what i yeah, find I, that that i'm very good at the ikea furniture but API docs, not so much. There, I just go in and start playing around. <laughs> but that's the thing with software. Like, it's not like you have to, like, hammer out glue if you do it incorrectly. So it kind yep. of doesn't, I don't know. Depends well, on how far you get in the process, I guess. <laughs> well, that's true. true because it could be worse, right? You have to go back and restructure because you've kind of built, you know, you've set up the, the architecture in the wrong way. Yeah. I've had that a couple of times, yeah, right. but I just... I, I kind of put it down to the fact that I'm still kind of new. I don't know. That's Honestly, just... I, I feel like this is just a given because <laughs> when you start, you don't know what you're doing like yeah. about a problem or like something, something like that. And then a couple of months in or a couple of years and you just actually know the problem you're trying to solve so much better. And suddenly you realize that some of the assumptions you made like in the beginning aren't quite right and need to be changed or maybe the requirements change because the customer is now requesting stuff you have never considered in the past so mm, yeah i feel like whatever you decide is probably wrong <laughs> the question is like how how can you make it easy on yourself in the future to change it i, th I feel like that's the mm, yep. that's the interesting part about all of this yes and maybe I... more, and maybe more how long will it be wrong i think maybe with experience you can push out yeah the the inevitable refactor a little bit uh, when because you, you, your guess is maybe a little more in the right direction, but you're still gonna end up there where mm. I was talking about. Yeah, you have to refactor at some point. I, I have I have um, been a lot better about putting notes for myself, so I do more. You know, I comment a lot more on my on my my own code now, <laughs> which is a lifesaver because I used to go back. Sometimes I'd look at the code and go, oh, I wonder why that's there. That probably doesn't need to be there. And I go delete it and then something <laughs> breaks and I'm like, oh, there was a reason why I put that there. You know, I should put a note to like future self to say, actually, don't delete this because there was some weird thing and you put this in to kind of circumvent that. So do not delete. <laughs> I've had that so many times where I'm like, what was I thinking? This, I don't need this. And then, yeah, the whole thing breaks. <laughs> yeah. So it's I remember seeing... I remember seeing a, a um, was a screenshot from a code file in some repository, which had like a given up on refactoring this counter at the top, where like it had a long explanation about like this is probably how it's supposed to work, and uh, don't try to refactor it. And then there was a counter of like people who tried to come up with a better solution and failed. <laughs> and it was yeah. like 23 or something like that. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you just got to weigh up the time as well because yeah. like maybe for the yeah. customer it makes zero difference. And yeah, maybe you can write something in, you know, 10 lines instead of 20, but like it makes zero difference. So I think as a, you know, when I was a solo founder and even now because I still do all the dev work, uh, I'm always kind of weighing up my time, right? Like is this... Is this worth yeah. it? Because, I mean, I could do it and maybe feel satisfied that, yeah, I, my code's a bit more dry and, like, it just it looks neater. But at the end of the day, like, it doesn't change anything. And maybe I could have spent that time doing something else, like doing a new feature or maybe doing more marketing. And I think it's always a trade-off. Yeah, I agree. And I, <laughs> and I think there is where being new to coding and having all that branding experience and business experience helps when creating your own product because if you've had i feel like the now that i've coded for so long like i have to remind myself that the code is not the end goal and i was much more like that like years back because then it was 
I wasn't that interested in the kind of code itself more as it means to an end. But then the more senior I've gotten, the more interested I've become in the code itself because I think it's fun, like the, just the code in itself and like making good, like good craftsmanship or whatever. You, I, I can come up with good reasons which end up then procrastinating <laughs> on, you know, the marketing and all of and the sales and the business decisions. Um, yeah. And I've yep. noticed that it's it's harder for me to kind of get away from that. And I remember a time when I was not that concerned with the code so i think that is is a benefit actually to to being um yeah learning to code to create your product and you have the right outlook or the right for the right yeah <laughs> yeah i have to check myself though because i am yeah. really intrigued about the code i love seeing mm. like really clean code i love it when it you can just read you know you can read it you know exactly what's happening and i i do strive to do that but at, yeah i'm always kind of just trying to weigh stuff up because you know, I think the thing is, I like I love the coding because it's the result is immediate, right? You kind of you code something, you run it, and you can see you can see what you made. It's like instant, and you know if it works or it doesn't work. It's instant. the The problem, or I should say, the challenge rather with marketing is that it's never instant. Like you you put something out, and then you might have to wait several months before something happens, and because of that, the feedback loop is just so much longer, right? The cycle is so much longer that people people go, oh, it's not working. But in fact, you know, when, when I was doing all the branding stuff, we kind of learned that you've got to hit people multiple times from like multiple sources and different channels before they actually go, oh, maybe I should try Llama Life. It's pretty unusual if they see your brand one time and they go, yeah, let me just sign up. Usually it's it could require some social proof, like they've seen it someone else recommended it on Twitter or they saw it in a couple of different places or they've seen it like three or four times and they, they finally say, well, well, maybe I should check it out. Um, I think marketing can come across as a thankless task where you're just doing stuff and you're not getting anything back and you're like, why am I doing this? But, yeah. you know, it all adds up. And especially when you start having content out there that is more like evergreen content. It stays out there for forever and it's not really time-based or, you know, current event like related that can really help you over time. And that's the, that's one of the things I'm trying to do more of is start putting out more content. That's what my friend's going to be helping me with is like writing more blog pieces and start to think about SEO. Like we haven't really done much of that to date. And I think that will really help kind of raise like the, the profile of the brand. Absolutely. But yeah, it's like you have to take a bet on marketing or on branding and then wait. And that is very, like, it's hard to just make that choice. And mm. you probably, with a lot of experience, you get better at the gut feeling of what will work, probably, like when you have yep. some experience. But for people who've only been developers, I think it's really hard that, as you said, like, they're you're used to immediate feedback and you know if it works or not and there's often also very like sound theories that you can like fall back on but with marketing it's like well like even if you do everything right like it might go wrong yeah. <laughs> so you, there's yeah, no yeah. guarantees and I think a lot of engineer mindset people want that guarantee that I'm doing kind of I'm doing something and I can I know what my results will be six months from now but you just yeah. can't well, the thing with marketing is, so there's many different types. So we, we talked a bit about sort of the SEO, which is a bit more like technical marketing, where you can think about, you know, the keywords that you might want to put in a blog piece. That that sort of marketing, you know, it's the result, I think, over time is a little bit more predictable that you, you know you're working with like a Google algorithm. What are the sorts of things you can do to make the algorithm see your blog post and then your website and increase that over time? But then there's the other side of marketing, which is a little bit like more creative. It's less tangible. And that's the side where like sometimes you don't know if it's going to work or if it's not going to work. There's there's a lot to be said about thinking about like, okay, well, what's the campaign? What's the message of the campaign? How am I going to articulate that? How am I going to put something out that has maybe like an image and some text? And how, do they, how does image and text work together to create like say an ad? Does it work together well? There's so many different variables there and half, you know, half the time it doesn't work. 
Um, <laughs> there, there's also another another way to approach it, like from a dev point of view, which I've been trying to do a little bit lately, which is um, sometimes I build like these standalone websites that are kind of related to Llama Life, um, but they're just like single purpose websites and they drive traffic to Llama Life. So I'm not sure if you've seen, seen this, but as an example, I have one called fidgetpage.com and I built this in a weekend partly because I was trying to Essentially, it's, you go there, it's like a fidget spinner on the page. That's all there is. Like you open it up and there's a fidget spinner on the page that you can spin and it's got some cool sound effects and you can see how fast you're spinning it. And I was trying to work out like how to do some animation stuff. So I was like, yeah, let me make this website. And what, what I did was like it satisfied the dev part of me because I was like, I want to build something that's interesting and I'm going to learn something from and it satisfied the marketing side because when you spin it three times, this little llama pops up from the side <laughs> and it says, hey, can I show you something cool that I'm working on? And if they say yes, then it directs them to Llama Life. And this fidget spinner, it's like it's like the third biggest driver of traffic to Llama Life. So the biggest Whoa. one is just, is just Google. Then it's Twitter because I'm building in public on Twitter. But then it's fidget, it's fidgetpage.com. It just keeps driving traffic. Like it's, it, it keeps giving, it keeps giving. And um, <laughs> it got, it got spun like 38,000 times in the first couple of days. And it's, it's not as high now, but I'm, I think I'm going to like share it a bit more, maybe on Reddit or something. And it's just, it's good because it's free, right? And it's, it can, it's more viral in nature than say a productivity app like Llama Life. So people tend to go, oh, well, this is just some fun, free website. And it, and it is completely free. So they are more likely to share it. And it's it kills a little bit of time. And it just it's still related to focus because a lot of people who are trying to focus might have like little fidget things. Like I'm kind of playing with like a little fidget thing right now. But <laughs> it's it's sort of related in a way to the audience that I'm trying to reach. And I just had a lot of fun building it as well. So that kind of scratched an itch for me and I know I need to do marketing so why not do you know two things at once build something learn learn about animation and also create a site that's a bit more viral than llama life itself it seems like you're very good at like keeping the id contained or like it's not small, but like not letting it feature creep, like with Llama Live, with Fidget Spinner, like it only does that. And it, you know, you could probably have done like a million things with it. And then with Llama Life, where you kind of decided on your focus for uh, Llama Life, you're not going to be, or not at least yet, a full fledged like project management system. Mm -hmm. Just that, does it just come naturally to you? Do you have a system for managing um... scope creep? So it's something I think a lot about. Um, so with Llama Life, the intent is definitely to stay laser focused on being a focus tool and not to be an all-in-one tool. So there are a lot of products, you know, like you're saying, have a lot of feature creep and they, they start off small, but they end up kind of doing everything and then they just don't do anything well. So I really want it to be the opposite where I just, just focus on focus and everything I build, every feature... I always think, well, is, does this help increase focus? Because if it doesn't, then there's probably another tool out there that can do it and maybe do it better that people, and it could be free as well, that, that, that people can use. Um, at the beginning, when I was just starting out, I had a lot of requests come in over email saying, hey, can you add this or can you add that? And it, it was a really strong signal to me that I wasn't clear at the beginning what the tool was. Right, so I ended up changing my landing page um, because the requests coming in were saying, "Hey, can you?" Uh, they basically wanted to make it into a full, fully fledged project management tool, and I was like, "Oh, that's not actually the direction I want to go." But clearly, I wasn't uh, clear on my landing page what this is going to be because I'm getting all these requests to kind of push it in that direction. So I ended up writing back to this this customer and saying, "Well, I think you." Maybe you should check out something like Trello or Asana. I think that will fit what you need. But Llama Life is really not about that. It's it's really a place for focus. And what I ended up doing on the website was I have this thing where I say um, Llama Life is not for everyone, 
it's for you if, and then I list like all these things and I'll say it's not for you if you're looking for like a project management tool or you're looking for a Kanban board uh, or you're looking to, you know, track time to build clients, then Llama Life is not for you. But if you're looking to increase your focus, you're looking to be more efficient with your time and, um, you know, if you're looking to break down like all these big scary tasks into small chunks and get through your list, then Llama Life is for you. So I, I think that really helped. Like I didn't get requests after that. It really helped just to spell it out like it's for you <laughs> if, if this and it's not for you if that. And that's really, I mean, it's very explicit. Like it's just direct, but it, it helps. Like sometimes you just have to be direct. And I think a lot of websites, like sometimes it's not. Like you read a lot of websites, you go, I don't really know what that product does. So maybe sometimes it's just to spell it out and say it does this, but it also you also tackle the the opposite and say, well, it doesn't do this other stuff. Cool. So true. So true. I think we're um, kind of running up on the on the hour. So you mentioned that this is now your full time business. So would would you like to share your latest numbers? How many people yeah. are using Llama Life at the moment? Yeah, it's still it's still very small. So I just checked earlier. Um, there are seven hundred and eighty eight paid customers. So the business model is a free trial, seven day free trial, no credit card required. And after that, it's either a monthly subscription or an annual subscription. So right now, there's seven hundred and eighty eight paid customers. Um, The reason why it's been able to keep going and then I can work on it full time is I did get into an accelerator program recently. So there's a program called Launch, Launch Accelerator. It's run by Jason Calacanis. And they actually saw me building in public on Twitter. So I, I actually wasn't thinking about joining an accelerator. So with the accelerator, you give up a percentage of your company. They take 6% equity. And in return, they give you 100 grand. So 100, 100K US, and that allows you to essentially work on something full-time. And I, they reached out to me after seeing the stuff on Twitter, and then we had a chat, and they said, well, maybe you should think about applying for this accelerator. So I applied, and then we had, like, all the interviews and all that and ended up getting in. That was a really great experience if, if other people are looking to go that direction. But it also isn't for everyone, right, because – I think once you start to take once you start to take money from other people, whether it's an angel investor or family and friends, um, it becomes a slightly different kind of business. So, if you're looking to build like a lifestyle business that is um, fully self-sustained, like that's definitely one path. There's n nothing wrong with that path either. There's nothing wrong with either path. But when you start to take outside investment, then it becomes very different because obviously the people who have invested are, are looking for a return and, you know, a quite a big return. So um, <laughs> the plans for Llama Life are, are, are quite big now. And I think one of the things that I really got from the accelerator was to think think a lot, like a lot bigger, like where could it go? You know, it, it could easily just be a lifestyle business, but if I want to, if I want to take it to that next level, like where does it go? Like, does it go on an enterprise? How does it expand? You know, is there a potential to own this space around like mental clarity and focus? Does it go beyond a productivity tool because the brand is pretty strong? Like, can you create more revenue streams under the branding of Llama Life? Um, some of it could be a SaaS. Some of it could be other things. So it really started to make me think a lot, you know, a lot bigger, like where could it go? And that's kind of the path it's on now. Um, so it would be, yeah, I think it'd just be exciting to see, you know, the next 12 months or so what, what happens, but I'm, uh, I'm excited about it. That's my feeling at the beginning of the, the podcast. Oh my gosh, we've come full circle. We're excited to start <laughs> oh, nice. and I'm excited to excited. end. <laughs> <laughs> Can you share any of those short-term or short-term or long-term plans for Llama Life now that yeah, you're thinking yeah, bigger? Yeah. Uh, absolutely. So um, I really want to focus on the, um, so obviously you want to add features that are functional, right? But I also want to focus more on the emotional side as well. Um, because I think when you approach productivity, it's not just what you're doing. If You have to go into it with the right mindset. So one of the things I'm exploring is uh, a lot to do with sound. So I, I, 
personally, like sound and background noise and soundscapes really get me into this focus state, right, of flow and just um, a lot of clarity. So I'll be adding a lot more soundscapes to Llama Life in the next few months. Um, there's also plans to do, you know, before you start a task, maybe do a 30-second kind of, um, I think about it as like a waking meditation. So you're not like closing your eyes or anything, but it could be 30 seconds where you're looking at some sound and visuals and it's it's meant to get you into a mental state where you feel calm before you start your task. So a lot of this is about the preparation before you go into a task. Can you set yourself up um, to be productive by managing not just what you're doing, but how you're feeling, how you're thinking. So I really want to go down that kind of angle because, you know, mental health and well-being is kind of, it's really important these days. A lot of us are stuck at home, working at home because COVID and stuff, and there's a lot of stress in the world. And I think if I can build something to help alleviate some of that and pair it with a productivity tool, then it could be a really good combination. Obviously, time will tell. We have to test it and we'll be iterating and, you know, seeing what works, what doesn't work, but that's kind of the direction that I'd, I'd like to take it. That sounds super cool. And also I would love to go to a llama life retreat at the llama farm. That's amazing. <laughs> you know, talking about the overall brand, I mean, that's something we could do, right? It could be an event that we host. Um, yeah, that sounds good. All about, all about focus yeah <laughs> eventually you know eventually when it when it gets uh, really big um i want to actually do something where i maybe donate some of the the profits back to that village the village that you know where it got its name i, I don't know how i would even do that but it's it's something on my list like a long-term thing you know when this becomes big enough and i and i have enough where i can actually do a donation i'd love to donate back to that that village maybe you know see if we can help them in some way uh if they want maybe they don't maybe they don't want to maybe they're completely fine as, as they are but um yeah it's just a thought to kind of connect it back but i love it i think that's it for today that's perfect timing as well like spot on I mean, I could listen to you for like hours because it's been so interesting, <laughs> but we <laughs> try to be mindful of the time. So um, I think we're going to try to put some links in the description or show notes. I guess it's called in a podcast. This is not YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> and um, yeah. Anything more, Benedict, since my mind, my brain is not functioning this morning? Well, neither is mine, but uh, <laughs> the, the usual question we ask in the end is like, where can people yes. find you uh, I knew on there the was something. learn more about you, <laughs> um, if they want to follow your story? I think Twitter is probably the, the best place. I'm on Twitter uh, all the time. I post pretty much every day about what's happening with Llama Life. So on Twitter, I'm at three hour coffee, just spelled out like the word three hour coffee. And um, yeah, my DMs are open. So um, yeah, I'd love to see that. Cool. Cool. We'll see you all around the interwebs. Yeah, see you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.